miracle will not cure. God has the solution for each trial you endure. You can stand on His promise, for the Word of God is sure. There's not a problem that a miracle will not cure. To our midweek service here at Community Bible Baptist Church. If you're glad to be in God's house, say amen. Thank you for joining us online as well. If that's where you're watching, if you're here or at home, would you stand to your feet if you're able? We're going to start singing as we always do at our services. Let's sing this song called He Has Made Me Glad. Lift your voice on this one. We've got one screen right behind me for your words. So let's sing together. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. That the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in him. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in him. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Alright, we're going to sing this one more time. We're going to replace the word we with I. Some of you need some joy in your life. Look at your neighbor and just smile. Even if you don't feel like it, if you had a rough day, I get it. I get it. But the joy of the Lord is our strength here today. He gives us some supernatural joy. The fruit of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Come on, sing this with me. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has Five, that's all we need. Five. There's a hundred of us in here, so five, that's not a big number. 
Five something that you're glad about. You get praise about. Right there, Catherine. Start a new job. They're Christian folk. And it's fantastic. New job, Christian family, Christian folk. It was fantastic. That's what? Brother Dory. I'm glad I can still come to church. I'm glad I can still come to church. I have been praying. Now listen, I, I, I pray specifically for many of you specific things. I am praying uh, the prayer for Brother Dory that Simeon prayed. I'm praying the Simeon prayer. Lord, don't let thy servant depart until he sees uh, the salvation. Lord, now, we know that that's the Lord. But I'm praying, don't let our servant depart until he has church in the new building. Because that's what he's praying for. And so I'm, I'm praying that. So he's thankful he's back out, back to church. Church is better with Brother Dory on the front row. Do you say amen right there? It's easier to preach. It's easier to worship. All right, number three. That's two, three. Yes, ma'am. No headache medicine since last Thursday. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord. Good. Cindy. You guys spent the last week holding our new grandson. You grandparents, all my words. If I'd have known how great grandchildren was, I wouldn't have waited so long. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I just adopted a youngin', so I don't need grandkids. I got one at home. Jennifer. Yes, Jennifer. I've been pain-free since my surgery. Woo. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Major, major surgery. So, so we can rejoice. Oh, we still got some more. Vicki? Yeah, we've been able to speak to our son over in Afghanistan. Praise the Lord. Amen. Speak to our son who's stationed in Afghanistan. That's a huge blessing. All right. All right, Carolyn? Now, you listen, you, you, you've unbaptized yourself. We're number seven, okay? <laughs> Normally, I have to pull teeth to get you. To tonight, we're on a roll, Carolyn. Praise the Lord. You know what? Cancer free this year. Cancer beginning last year. So we rejoice. 21 and turn the page. Praise the Lord. Right. Bill? I'm praising God because it's took four decades to see what was in Genesis 38 and our RU the other night. Learn something new after four decades. Learn something new in RU in Genesis 38. That's it. The Bible's new every morning, every day. And so we think we figured it all out. And uh, you learn something, you pray with Brent. You know what, buddy? That's a big praise right there. Sure. Then we have a roof over our head. Amen. Americans are spoiled rotten. You know what? We think we got to have. And uh, you don't want me to hate you for a week or two. You'll figure out you don't need to have near what you think you have to have. And a uh, roof over your head, food, and uh, just some basic necessities. Well, that's wonderful. That's seven, eight, nine of us. And so if you learn to enter his gates with praise, uh, that's part of how the Lord taught us to pray. Uh, there's a prayer wheel that we're going to learn as we get farther along in our Disciples Making Disciples uh, program and learning to pray. And part of that is to enter with praise and thanksgiving. How many of you, uh, just to kind of do a, a sneak peek of that, sneak peek of that, how much of your prayer is asking? How much of your prayer is asking on behalf of others at some location? How much of your prayer is uh, praise? How much of your prayer is thanksgiving? And when we start to really kind of break it down, we find a lot of times we ask a lot, 
And we forget to give thanks a lot. And yet that's all in how much of our prayer is for the will of God to be done in our life, so on and so forth. And so we learn to pray. Well, several of you have asked, and I won't wait till prayer time because that way it's to get out of my mind and get on to the sermon. Uh, my is still in the hospital. Uh, three weeks now we've been running a low-grade fever anywhere from 99 to 103. And uh, so finally Tuesday, uh, Valerie said, that's enough, enough. Uh, we took her back for the third time to the ER, and this time they said, yeah, this is not right, something's going on. So we uh, began the process. Uh, while there, they noticed that her oxygen levels are dropping. So she was at about 70 last night, uh, so they made her wear one of those little oxygen noses uh, in her nose, and she absolutely hated that, and it was absolutely a nightmare to try to get that. And it, it's no insertion, it's just there, but anyway, tell that to a six-year-old. And uh, so... Uh, uh, they're doing all kinds of tests. They're doing fluid tests and blood tests and saliva tests. Right now, the only thing that the doctor thinks it might meet all the different criteria, fever, running nose, cough, congestion, all this stuff, uh, apparently in cancer patients and in transplant patients, they're uh, susceptible to certain types of things. And one of them is a pneumonia that has a name like PCP. Now, that's a drug to me, but there's a pneumonia that has a, a, an acronym there. And uh, the cancer patient and transplant patients are susceptible to that. And Dr. AK tends to think that's what we're going to find after we get this saliva test. Uh, but again, have you ever tried to get a six-year-old to spit in a cup on demand? That's a challenge. And so uh, we finally got enough saliva to get a test and, and different things. So they're running tests, they're doing blood work. Uh, Valerie's back there. She came home and took a shower, got cleaned up, went back. So we're there, we'll be there until they figure something out. But as long as she's on oxygen, I don't think she'll be going home anytime soon. So just pray with us and pray for us and pray for the doctors uh, that everything would just uh, make sense and they would get this one. This uh, pneumonia thing they're talking about, it's kind of half virus, uh, half infection. It's kind of a weird deal that, that they have to treat it. So that's where we are. I want you to pray for that. Thank you for asking. Many of you have asked about that, and that means a lot to us. Uh, just another difficulty that the Lord is going to show himself strong in, although we don't always see that, right? So we praise the Lord anyway. So my praise is that we live in St. Petersburg, Florida, with the wonderful All Children's Hospitals 15 minutes down the road. And uh, so if we were in a different, a different place, this would be a whole different scenario. And so we praise the Lord for good doctors. And Dr. AK has been her doctor. He actually did the transplant, so he's had it her entire life. So let's pray together. Why don't you pray for Deb Newmeyer? Deb Newmeyer is really going through it. We lift Deb up and uh, Ruth and the family there. Uh, Deb's just had a lot. She is a herself a transplant recipient, so keep praying for her. And then others will come together for our prayer time in just a few moments. Now, Father, we come, and uh, John started us off with a good couple of songs <clears throat> because in our battles and in our difficulties, we want to make sure that we never cease to give you praise for who you are. And Lord, we ask you for things, and we recognize that you do things, but Lord, what you do is not near the point, it's who you are. And so we worship you tonight, we thank you tonight that uh, our struggles, our trials, our difficulties are all under the sovereign hand and will of God. And Lord, you'll never take us where your grace does not keep us and provide for us. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight that whatever's going on, whoever needs uh, tonight's songs, tonight's sermons, whether here in the person or watching uh, via the broadcast, Lord, I pray that we be encouraged tonight uh, to continue to be faithful because, Lord, we serve an always faithful God. We praise your name. We thank you now. And uh, give us good service in the Master Club, in the bus stop, in the teens, uh, even in the little nursery tonight. Bless them and all that's said and done on this campus. We pray it now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Stand or sit, John. What are you going to make them do? Stand or two feet. I'm sorry, Lori. I tried. I think it's so important that we pay attention to the lyrics we actually sing at church. I love this, uh, this first line. It says, I was once a sinner, but I gained pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given. And I found that he always keeps his word. Someone say amen. amen. We sing truth at church. Let's sing. I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory. Oh yes, it's mine. And the white road angels sing the story. A Savior has come home. For there's a new day written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. With my Savior's heart, I am bound forever, never born to grow.
passages, both in the book of Acts. I want you to find the book of Acts chapter 10. And I want you to find the book of Acts chapter number 16. And uh, just, uh, do we have anybody? I don't think I mentioned this a moment ago. Anybody first time or first time in a long time? Looks like I recognize most of you. Good to have these folks here. God bless you. Oh, I, I recognize you. The hair has changed. Look at that. So good. To, don't change your hair without letting me know, okay? Uh, but uh, anybody else, first time or first time in a long time, we're glad to have you. Looks like most of our folks tonight, uh, home folks. Uh, let me give you a couple of good reports. Acts 10, Acts 16, find both of those places tonight. Uh, we had a tremendous night last night. Uh, Brother Mike was sharing some of his uh, visitation uh, reports and just really awesome. Had a lady saved last night, Miss June, and her crowd uh, was able to, I think, uh, Shelly and June, and uh, I think uh, Karen was in on that. Uh, Chris Corley was there, no? All right. Who? Molly. And I had somebody saved before, uh, uh, during the, the early afternoon visitation. Then Brother Mike was telling me some really good visits, and then some other folks were telling me uh, their contacts. And then we had our disciples making disciples meeting last night. So just a great report of people uh, that are coming to Christ, uh, that are hearing the gospel, coming to church. We had visitors in church Sunday as a result of visitation the week before. And so just be faithful. Tell your story. Tell your story. Look for opportunities to tell your story uh, for His glory. And uh, we uh, teach in our disciple group about how to just uh, try to start those gospel conversations. And uh, you'd be amazed. We had it happen Tuesday. Uh, several of us men had met together, and then we went to lunch. And uh, one of the guys in the group just asked the waitress, anything I can pray for? And man, she's like, yeah, I'm going to school. And I got a heavy load. And to come to find out, she's going to flight school to be a pilot, and the guy that asked the question, Brother Mike Coop, is a pilot. And so the Lord just opened that door, and that conversation just exploded, and I uh, was able to give her a track and talk to her. Uh, you just look for ways to open conversations, and you'll be amazed how the Holy Spirit will give you doorways uh, into people's lives, and maybe they're carrying a burden or a load, and you can be a load lifter, a burden bearer, and uh, so just be sensitive about that. A lot of good stuff happening tomorrow on the project. Uh, if you come in the morning uh, up on the north side, or the, actually it'll be the northeast side, the east side of the building, uh, they're going to start putting all the red iron together. So you have those big beams and, and stuff straight up out of the ground, those big pillars. They're going to start putting the tie beams in tomorrow. So that'll be cool. While they're doing that on the west side of the building, they're pouring another big uh, long beam. And so a lot of concrete work tomorrow. Uh, that's tomorrow, the front, the red iron, and the back concrete. Friday... They set the joist inside the main building. So Friday, the big 80-foot runs will be in. And I just want to give you an idea of how, how things are changing. Now, I'm going to preach a message, not this week probably, but the next week. We're in the series, Lessons I'm Learning in the Building Program. I'm going to preach a message, and I'm, I shouldn't tell you this because I'm going to hold it for the message, but a message on perception, how you see things. And I really want to preach tonight, but this was the next one in the series. So... um. In the new building, uh, Brother Ryan has been telling us for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks that the uh, platform is 60 feet wide, 60 feet wide. And when you go in there, the platform looks about 30 feet wide just because uh, there's no ceiling on it. There's, there's nothing to judge against. And so I'm thinking, man, Brother Ryan, I know he keeps saying it's, it, it's, on, the, it's on the plans, it's on the blueprint, 60 feet wide. And, uh, man, I, I go out there and I'm like, man, it lo looks like this. How many of you know what 60 feet wide actually is? Anybody know what 60 feet wide is? 60 feet wide is actually from that wall to that wall. So the platform itself 
is wall to wall. So when you start looking at that building right now with no roof and no beams, now it'll start coming together with the beams and, the, and stuff. But just the platform, we can set this building uh, on the platform. Now, not depth-wise, but width-wise, this building will sit on the new platform. And then, of course, it extends out either side and uh, all the way to the back. So really, the message on perception, I can't wait to preach that. Sometimes you see things that aren't so. And you'll argue, well, I see it this way. And you always have to go to a standard. You have to have a standard. You have to have a measuring standard, something to measure against. And so I'm going to preach on that, looking forward to it. But tonight, I'm going to preach on a different message because uh, I'm learning something every day. I've learned this probably uh, more uh, here lately uh, throughout the process. But here lately, we've had a couple of things. And actually, on Monday, uh, we figured something out. Uh, on Monday, we're walk, walking through the building, and uh, I was just kind of checking some things out and saying, seeing some measurements and things, just trying to get some uh, ideas in my mind. And uh, I was looking at the plumbing. If you go out there and you look in the, on the ground, you'll see the stubs are coming out where they put the plumbing under the ground, the out-the-go, the, the income hasn't come in, but the out-go plumbing has been put in. And uh, they're stubbing all that. So I was, I was in the prayer room. And the prayer room in the new building is on the left side, not the right side. And I was in the prayer room, and I was kind of looking where the stairs come up from the prayer room uh, up into uh, the, up on the back of the, of the platform. And uh, there's a little restroom in there. That's for, for those of us on the platform that may need to take care of some things before or during or in the middle of church, whatever. And I looked at the restroom, and uh, I was looking at the restroom, and I was looking at some measurements. And, and I, I went over to the construction trailer. I was talking to, to Tony one of the guys, and I said, show me the blueprints on this. And, and he's like, what are you looking at? I said, I'm looking at, the, looking at the, uh, the, the prayer room. He said, you catch it? I said, no, I'm just looking at some, I'm trying to figure out how big it is in comparison. He said, you catch it? I said, no, what are you talking about? He said, you, you didn't catch it, but you want to see that room. I'm like, yeah, I want to look at the measure. He said, but you didn't catch it. <laughs> okay, do what? He said, there's a window right there. I said, and? He, it's a floor-to-ceiling window, about 15-foot-tall window. Oh, it's beautiful. It's in front of the toilet. <laughs> he said, if you sit on the toilet, you have a window right outside. I mean, I'm talking... Perfectly lined up, the toilet and the window. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. He said, we already called it. We're going to take care of it. I said, what are you going to do? He said, we're going to block it up. I said, thank you. I said, what happened? He said, here's what happened. He said, we're on plan number about six. About six. He said, up until five, that was another room. He said, but at, 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 at six, we made the changes to change the layout. He said, but just that one window didn't get changed. And so the concrete guys, the block guys are working on five, but we're building on six. He said, it's not a big deal. He said, we've already covered it. It's our, our fault, our issue. We'll block it up. No big deal. Now, that technically is a change order, a change order. And a change order, according to definition, is work that is added to or deleted from the original scope of work, the original scope of work in a contract. However, depending on the magnitude of the change, it may or may not alter the original contract amount and or completion date. 
A change order may force a new project to handle significant changes to the current project. Uh, so throughout the building process, you're going to have what they call change orders. And, and that, that's, that's where the builder has made a mistake. In this case, uh, the builder made a mistake and they've got to fix it. And that's a change order. They've got to tell their contractors to come back and redo this. Sometimes the owner says, you know what, I've changed my mind and I don't like the way this looks or whatever, so I want to change it. And uh, sometimes it's just a matter of we pick this color, but we're going to change to that color. Now, I've learned something uh, that's very difficult uh, in the building process. Process. And my friend Jeff Jones, you know he's my dear, dear friend and a great encourager. We were talking today and Jeff Jones said this, a building, he's been in many building projects, they're in a building project right now. He said a building never goes like you think it will go, never costs what you think it will cost. And then he said this, and it never looks like you think it'll look. I'm like, you're a great encourager to me. You're a blessing. You're a blessing. Uh, but throughout the building project, sometimes you have negative change orders, and that's negative from our point of view, where something has to be changed that costs us money. Uh, we change the original, I'm going to speak to this in just a moment, but we change the original design from uh, offices to classrooms. That one change cost us over $12,000. Just to change. And, and, and I said to the guy, I said, all you're doing is making new lines on paper. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. But uh, that one change that we requested cost us $12,000. $12,000. This was before the, we even got started on the building. This was months and months ago. So I thought that was not going to be a big deal. But man, when you change that, you change the plumbing, you change the electrical, you change everything, you change windows apparently. Now, there's sometimes there's positive changes to the, our point of view. A positive change is when he calls, and he's done this a couple of times, and we rejoice over this, and he says, man, this was going to cost this much money, but we've changed our supplier, or we've changed, in this case, it was some electrical fixtures, just, just light, light fixtures. He said, it's the same amount of light. It's the same quality of light. Everything about it is the same. You will not notice, but it's like 30 or 40% cheaper. And so he said, we're saving thousands of dollars when you start thinking about how many light fixtures are in the building. So that was a positive change. We're going to order something different and save you money. And sometimes it's just a neutral change. It's like uh, we had blue, but we think uh, gray will look better. So sometimes there's big changes that cost you a lot of money, and they're very painful to go through. Sometimes there's positive changes that make you some money, and sometimes they're just changes because, you know what, we can do it A or B, and let's just pick which way we want to do it. Now, as you look at a project of this magnitude, we knew that there was going to be some changes along the way. We didn't, we didn't know what they were, but everybody that's ever built anything says you're going to go through something and find out that uh, sometimes you just have to make changes. Brother Pratt tells me, and again, this is not my world, but this is their world. He says the hardest thing to design in a building is a staircase. He said, man, to get a staircase to land right and to go right. He said, preacher, I've got plans that some architect has drawn. And when we try to map them out, he said, they end up inside of a wall. They're staircases to nowhere. And he said, man, you got to change that because what they drew won't fix. You can't build it the way they drew it or whatever. So in every building, especially something this big, there's going to be change orders. Some good, some bad. Some neutral. 
Now, we like the good ones, and we don't mind the neutral ones, but we hate the bad ones, don't we? Do you know that the longer you live, you're going to get used to the fact that your life is full of changes? And how you respond to those changes is critical. Some of you don't like anything new. You haven't changed one thing in your house since 19... You drive the same car, you wear the same clothes, you go to the same restaurants. You just don't do new. You don't do different. You want same, same, always same. Some of you are on the other side. Man, you rearrange furniture every other week. Some of you husbands break your shin every other week because what was there one week is not there the next week and something new's there and you're walking in late at night stumbling around. What happened? Rearrange the furniture again. Bought a new this, bought a new that. One of the worst phrases that I'll ever hear in my, wife's, uh, in my life is my wife saying, Hey, can you go pick something up for me I found on Marketplace? What that means is we're going to change a chair, change a couch, or change a rug. And the reason that illustration is so fresh is I was doing that between work today and the service tonight, all right? We, we found a new this or a new that. And it's awesome because it's, it's, it's much cheaper than buying it new, and we can, it's great. I love, I love her for her, her, thrift, uh, uh, her thriftiness. Uh, but some people love change, some people hate change. And so when change comes, you either adapt well to it or you struggle with it. But change is part of life. The only constant in life is that there's no constants in life. And the illusion of control is everything's going to be the same. No, everything is always evolving or changing. I want you to go to your Bible. I'm not going to read both texts. I'm going to show you both texts. And I want to show you both, both men that God used probably more than any other men in the New Testament. Paul and Peter had to understand the, the, the issue or the, 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 the thing of life changes, and God gives you different orders. Now, in Acts chapter number 10, and, and again, we're not going to go through all of this tonight, but Acts 10 is a very familiar passage, and it's the apostle uh, Peter as he is given the command uh, to go to the Gentile. And I'm not going to read this part of the text. We're just going to look at Acts tonight, and uh, Acts 16. But in Acts chapter number 10, uh, Peter is uh, waiting for a meal. And uh, while he's waiting for a meal, he takes a little nap. He falls asleep. And while he's asleep, he has this incredible dream of all of these unclean foods coming down from heaven. And he's told in that dream uh, to kill and to eat. And Peter wakes up and he said, that's a terrible dream. I'm a Jew. I don't eat unclean food. Uh, why would God give me a dream to eat unclean food? And really, that was a picture. Uh, that dream was meant uh, to give a lesson to Peter that he was going to take what had been now for only the Jew and open the door to the Gentile. And it's not long after that dream that he gets to call from Cornelius to come and to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentile world. And that was a big huge change order. In fact, while Peter was obedient in this case, we can look through his life and find out that he wrestled with this whole idea of the Jew getting the gospel to the Gentile and the Gentile being accepted into the church as the Jew. And so he wrestled with that, had to be rebuked by Paul later because for much of his life that we have record of, there was a struggle there. 
And that would be hard for anybody that was raised in Judaism to all of a sudden accept the Gentile into the family of God. And so that was a huge change. Thank God for that change because that opened the door for many of us uh, as far as we're Gentile believers. But it was a big change for Peter. The one I want you to see is Acts 16. The Bible says in verse number 6, Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia, and by the way, in Acts chapter 10, it's a vision. Remember, it's a vision. It's a dream. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after we had seen, after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to uh, Samarithia and the next day to Neapolis. Then they go to Philippi. At Philippi, and you read this out for yourself, at Philippi, uh, they give the gospel, and there is a woman there by the name of, anybody know? Lydia, and she becomes the first convert in Europe. She becomes the first convert in Europe. She is the first of the European believers. By the way, for many of us, not all, but for many of us, that would be our ancestry from Europe. And so the first of our forebearers was Lydia who came to know Christ. And then from Lydia, we know there's a great uproar and there's uh, uh, actually the law is called in. Uh, they're thrown into jail. Paul and Silas are in jail. The great earthquake comes. Uh, they're going to be uh, uh, all the prisoners escaping. The jailer's going to commit suicide. But Paul and Silas, they're staying in place. The jailer comes. He's saved. And then his whole house is saved. It's a wonderful story. But the beginning of that was what? Paul desperately wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to go to the Asian continent. And he tried in this record two different times to go to Asia Minor. And two different times the Holy Spirit said, no, no, don't go there. Two different times. Paul said, but I want to go to Asia. I want to preach the gospel to the, to the Orient. And the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. And the Holy Spirit said the second time, don't go there. And so Paul is waiting, and he has, again, a vision, a man of Macedonia, Europe, who's saying, now come over and help us. And so Paul got a change order. I want to go to Asia, but instead he ended up going to Europe, and there Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and ultimately, all of our forebearers. You ever thought what would happen if the gospel would have gone to Asia first? I have no idea how that would have played out. But because it came to Europe first, and because uh, what the Lord's plan and purpose was, we'll get to heaven and find out the difference there, of why uh, that directly affected us. Now, here's two men that God greatly used, Peter and Paul, and both had in their mind, Paul wanted to go to Asia and preach the gospel. Peter was going to go to the Gentiles and preach the, uh, to the Jews and preach the gospel. And God said, no, I'm going to change your direction. I'm going to change your ministry. I'm going to change your mission. They both were submissive to that. God used that in great ways, and we have great results because of that. Now, when we come to the building program and we come to life, we need to realize that nothing is ever going to go the way we think it's going to go. 
and, and nothing's ever going to work out the way we think it's going to work out. Because remember, God's ways, our ways, very different ways. We go from A to B, don't we? Like if we're going to go from, if we're gonna go from uh, the shortest distance between two, two uh, points is what? So we're going to go A to B, A to B, right there, A to B. And uh, we think, man, that's the best decision. That's the shortest decision. That makes the most sense. Uh, that is the plan. I'm going to go from A to B, get the job done. That's what we're going to do. And God says, all right, start at A. Uh, don't go to B. I want you to go to D. God, that's not where I want you to go. I, I don't want to go to D. I want to go to B. I want you to go to D. Get to D. All right, now I'm going to go to B, right? No, I want you to go to X and J and K and all over the place. God, that's the wrong way. God, that's not the best way. God, that's not the shortest way. Not the most economical way. Not the best fiscal way. God, what are you doing? If it every time worked out like you and I think it worked out or should work out, you realize we would have no need of God. Here's what you really need to understand. God needed you at D for a purpose, a reason, possibly a person. God knows how to get from A to B. But God knows who's in these other places. Remember now, when, uh, <clears throat> when, we, when we find Philip, he is in a great revival crusade. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands are coming to Christ. And I mean, the Lord is working. The Lord is moving. And this is incredible. And the Lord says to Philip, mm, okay, I want you to stop. I want you to go over here to the desert. And I want you to join yourself to a man in a chariot. I want you to leave the multitude and find one man riding a chariot. By the way, that one man was Queen Candace's treasurer. And after his conversion, you do know that he went back and turned Ethiopia upside down with the gospel. And there are churches in Ethiopia that trace their roots to a eunuch from Candace's palace who brought the gospel from the desert where he met the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry of the preaching of Philip the Evangelist. And God used Philip to leave multitudes. That doesn't make sense. More people matter. But he knew that one man who got converted would go back and make a huge difference in a whole entire kingdom. God's changes in your life are like the divine architect who sees every part of the building and not just your little part. If I went out there tomorrow and said to the, to the masonry guys, hey, tell me about the plumbing, they'd say, what? If I went out to the plumbers and said, hey, tell me about the steel, they'd say, what? If I went to the electricians and I said, tell me about the groundwork, they'd say, what? They don't have but just their piece and part of the puzzle. But there is a, an architect and there is a builder. And these are the folks that designed it and planned it. And they know how all these pieces fit together. And so when they look at it, they know, hey, it's not just the plumbing. And it's not just the electrical. And it's not just the concrete. And not just the steel. And not just the block. And not just all the other things. It's all of those things working together. And when God changes you, it's not just just you, God is using you in a much bigger picture. I want to give you four or five truths tonight about accepting change orders. Being willing and understanding acceptance of change orders. Number one, be careful to do your best to plan that there's not as many change orders as possible. Some of you are not following Christ. You're not following the scripture. You're not building your life on the word of God. 
And so what you're doing is you're making it so that God's going to have to change some things in your life to get your attention. God's going to have to do some big things. Have you ever had one of those convicting moment thoughts? I, I can speak to this directly. Where God gave me the or else. I'm trying to speak to you as a son, but you know, sometimes son... Daddies have to spank, and if you don't listen, I'm going to have to do something to get your attention. Now, when you live that way, when you live outside of what you know, you're asking God, your Father, and if you're a believer, you're asking God, your Father, to get your attention. Because the Bible does say, whom the Lord loveth, He does chasten. He does correct. He does discipline. He does want to train. And so uh, the first principle that I'd say is, uh, go ahead and get a good plan. Stop living for right now. Stop living for this moment. Get a plan that has long-term results in mind, not short-term returns. So many people, they sacrifice uh, uh, the now, uh, excuse me, they sacrifice the future on the altar of the now, and they think, well, right now i got to get this. Dear friend, don't you understand? We're not living for this day. We're living for that day. So we need to understand that when I'm living a life, it is not just for my teens or my 20s. If we could get our teenagers, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get our teenagers to realize how short their teen years are. And that the rest of life is so long. And if they could get on fire for God early and give their life to Christ early and just really sell out early, wouldn't that be wonderful so that they wouldn't have to have some of the changes that you and I had to go through? Some of the corrections, some of the discipline, some of the difficulties, bringing back some of the scars. So, so the first thing I'd say is, man, we, we, let me, the lessons we've learned in the building program. We, we brought in architects. Prad was in all those meetings. Jim was in all those meetings. We brought in architects, and, and one of the architects we brought in, uh, he, he said, here's what I'm going to build. And he literally, honest to goodness, I'm not, being, I'm not being funny, and I'm sure not being unkind. The guy couldn't tell you his name if I wanted to. But he, he was going to build us a box, a metal bo- a barn. And I'm like, I can do that. Literally, I could, call, I could call General Steele and say, bring me a box, and I could throw a box up, and it would have been a box. We could have met in it, but it had been a giant metal box. We met another guy, and they were good guys, and they, were, they had a few other ideas and different things, and, and uh, we, we thought about them for a minute. And then Jensen, the, the, the guy that we have, Jason, he came in, and he said, man, I'm not going to build you a box. He said, I'm going to build you this, and I'm going to build it out of this material. And he said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and it's going to have some character and some things, and we're going to do this. And, uh, and, and we began to talk amongst ourselves. Uh, Jason was not the least expensive. You know who the least expensive was? The box. The box, to design the box would have cost nothing. I mean, very, very nominal cost. But we'd have got a giant box. And we decided that we'd pay a little bit more to get an architect with an excellent resume, an excellent portfolio, an excellent reputation, and to have a building that wasn't just a box. We, we planned for more than just a box. I wonder how many people's lives, they are designing their life just to survive, just to exist. I believe this is true with most people. Most people are not living. Most people are existing. 
Most people are just, they, there's no big, they, they have no dream of God ever doing anything more than just them surviving. Uh, listen, uh, I, I remember thinking as a child, and I'm thanking the Lord now even at 52 years old, I don't ever want to be satisfied with just surviving. When I was a drunk, uh, I, I remember my life, it was go to work so I could go get drunk so I could go to work. That was my life, to, to get drunk, to go to work, to get drunk. I had to go to work to get enough money to go get drunk the next time. And I remember as a, as a, as a drunk thinking, this is ridiculous. There's nothing to lie. I mean, this is just such a roller coaster. You get a little high on the, on the, on the good times and low on the bad times, and it was just up and down. And I'm thinking, what a waste of life. There, there's got to be more of the life than this. And so I want you to think, if I'm going to live a life, I want to build more than just a box. By the way, the lost people can build boxes. Just live, exist, pay their bills, and die. Man, do you understand we're going to give an accounting of ourselves to the king? We're going to stand as ambassadors that have been sent out to do a work, and we're going to be asked how we represented his kingdom on this earth and how we conducted ourselves. And, and, and I don't want to come back and say, well, I survived. Surviving for the child of God is not good enough. We ought to have a desire that says, I want to build a life that brings honor and glory to God. I want to build a life of purpose and reason. And I get up and go to work, not just to punch a clock and do a job, but to make Christ known amongst my co-workers and to make the glory of God real in my life. So, so design your life on purpose. When I get to be an old man, I want to have tried to accomplish something with my life. Number two. I would say this, not only do your best not to have change. I want to, listen, somebody said, well, preacher, all you do is just uh, preach the word. Spurgeon said this, I am content to live and die as being nothing more than a repeater of the truth. If I can preach the gospel to the day I die and be faithful of that, I will have been successful in what God called me to do. Number two, be sensitive to make small corrections before They become major. Now, I could never, I don't think I could ever be a block mason. I I thank the Lord. By the way, we have an excellent masonry crew, an excellent block crew. Concrete, our crews are great. But I I watch those guys. And I mean, you want to go out and just start counting block. There's a lot of block out there. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of block. And we watch those guys. I watch them all day long. And they take their trowel and they scoop up a little concrete and they put cement, they put it on the thing, and they set it, and they tap it, and they put their level on it, and they tap it, and they put their level on it, and they tap it, and they look at their lines, and they look at their levels, and they tap it, and they do a lot of tapping. And a lot. And then you know what? I watch them do this. I watch them take it off. Take, I watch them take it all off, scrape it all off, and do it again. My ADHD would last about two blocks. And I'd just be throwing mud and stacking blocks, throwing mud, because I want to get something done fast. I want to get something done fast. I want to get the wall up. I've been watching them build this lady's bathroom wall for like, like the last two weeks. I'm like, hurry up. The lady's got to go to the bathroom right here, you know. <laughs> and just tedious. And boy, straighten it. And t- I watched one guy one day. Alan, Alan's out there a lot. He watched, watched one guy one day. Just tap, tap, tap. And he's just getting that block just perfectly in line with the block next to it. Spent a lot of time on that. 
And I watch these guys, man, they lay stuff out and measure it and lay stuff out and measure it. These steel guys lay it out and measure it, lay it out and measure it, lay it out. Preacher, what are they doing? They're paying attention to every block. You know why? Because if you pay attention to every little block, when you build the whole wall, it'll be in line. And it's a lot easier to fix one block out of line than to repair a bowing wall. I was in Texas, and we, were, we, we had a 1,000-seat auditorium there that had been built. And it's one of those buildings that, man, should never have been built. And they certainly they used some volunteer labor, which I understand why churches use volunteer labor, right? It's cheaper. Cheaper is not always better. And I uh, had an engineer visit our church one time. He said, Pastor Sasso, I, I'm a structural engineer by trade. And he said, I think you have a problem. I said, what is that? He said, come here, I want to show you. And he, he took me over to, to the, so that would be the, uh, the west wall of that church. And he said, do you see that bow? I'm like, yeah, this, he said, yeah, it's just a little bow. He said, I'm going to tell you, that, that's, that's very bad. I said, okay. A couple years later, the guy came back. I didn't do anything about it. A couple years later, the guy came out. I think he was a missionary, had, had been a structure and I was a missionary. He came out and he said, Preacher, I went and looked at that wall again. He said, it's probably moved another three or four inches. We went, to, we went to talk to the engineers about how much it would cost to fix that wall. Uh, that's when my wife really started praying for that tornado that came. <laughs> True story. It's a lot easier to fix one block than a whole wall out of bounds whole wall that's not right. You ever driven a car and uh, you're driven like right now Grant is 16, he's a young driver, Madeline's 18, and uh, when, you, when you first get behind the wheel and the kids, you're trying to teach the kids, you teach them small repeated corrections, not great big giant corrections, right? So, so you're, with the, you're with somebody that, that's not paying attention and how do they drive? They drive left and right and you look like a drunk man going down the road because they're, they're making big turn left. Oh, we're going the wrong way. Big turn. Oh, we're off the road. Well, back in the road. Back on the road. And the whole way, like riding a roller coaster, right? So, that was the best way to drive. Just a little flight crazy. My daddy taught me how to drive a bus. He said, Brent, remember now, you're sitting at the front of a 40-foot bus. He said, if you make any turn, by the time you transmit that back 40 feet, what you feel up front is multiplied 40 times to the people in the back. And so if you make a quick turn up in the front, you may be okay, but those back of the bus people are being slung all over creation. And so he said, make small turns, small corrections, small little repeat. Often you do a lot of this but you don't do a lot of this. You know who the best Christians are? The best confessors. Sensitive to the touch of the Holy Spirit. I love it when we have big revivals and more people come and get right with God and they, they pour out years and years of rebellion and years and years of sin. Uh, that's wonderful and I pray to the Lord for that. But, but that's, that's not the best way to live the Christian life. Best way to live the Christian life is the moment you say it, think it, or do it, and the Holy Spirit convicts you, you confess it and forsake it on the spot. 
You keep short accounts with God. You don't let that stuff build up and build up because you know what happens? It becomes easier and easier to grieve and quench and grieve and quench and pretty soon you actually become numb to the work of the Holy Spirit and it takes a lot more to get your attention. But if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like when you touch that stove uh, and you move pretty quick, uh, you don't leave that hand on the stove too long, do you? Boy, move that. Well, that's how sin ought to be in our life. That's when we get out of bounds, when we start uh, messing up, when we start seeing uh, little things in our life. You know what Solomon said? It's the little foxes. We're watching for the big lions. Big lions are not your problem. It's the little foxes. It's the, I'm going to miss church over and over and over again. I'm going to be in crowds and with people that I shouldn't be. I'm going to be doing things I shouldn't be doing. And pretty soon... That becomes the norm to you. You know what's norm to me? Going to church. It's norm. I've been doing it 30 years now. Norm to me. Uh, abnorm is when I do the wrong thing. When you're in trouble is when the wrong thing seems like the right thing. Because you, did, you didn't make a little, when the Holy Spirit said don't, you said, oh, I, can, I can do it one time. You know what's easy after the first time? The second time. And the third time. And the fourth time. And pretty soon the norm becomes the abnorm and the abnorm becomes the norm. Why? Because you stop making little corrections. You started building building like I would build it, just throw it up there and see what happens. Oh, my word, that's the worst building ever. But if you're going to do it right, you got to make sure every day, every block, every piece is in place. That's why when we get up in the morning, we ask the Lord today, forgive me, use me. Uh, we yield ourselves. We spend time in his word. We look for opportunities to talk to people about the Lord over and over and over. It's easier to make little corrections than big old corrections. Number three, quickly. Change orders are part of life, and the sooner you get that, the easier life becomes. Kathleen, you lost your job, what, four months ago, five months ago? Preacher, I lost my job! That's a terrible call, isn't it? Terrible call. Preacher, wonderful new job, I love it, it's better. By the way, six months from now, she could use, I'm not being unkind, I'm not being prophetic, but six months from now, Preacher, I lost my job, you never know what's going to happen. Nobody, nobody knows. Listen, Carolyn just said, last year cancer, this year no cancer. How did she know what's going to happen last year? She didn't know. Change is part of life. Sometimes you're cruising along, and all of a sudden God says left, and you're like, I wasn't ready for that. God said, I know, but I want to go left. Sometimes God says stop. Sometimes God says go back. Say, Preacher, I just want everything to be the same. Nothing stays the same. Nothing. Churches don't stay the same. Pastors don't stay the same. Memberships don't stay the same. Families don't stay the same. People come in. People go out. Schools don't stay the same. Preacher, I just don't feel like this is our church anymore. We're looking for something else. That person leaves. Oh, that's so sad. Hey, look, two more people came in. It's just part of life. And you say, Preacher, don't you want it to, well, don't you want it to stay the same? Sometimes. Sometimes I like it to say the same. Sometimes we need it to change. It's just, just, just sometimes God says, you're, 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 in a, you're in a comfort zone here. Let me shake that up. Sometimes we get so good at what we're doing, we forget how much we need God, and God has to remind us how much we need him. There's a lot of reasons for saying, I, I can't tell you the reason God changes in your life. I can tell you in my life, it's for God to remind me, uh, you still need me, son. Oh, but Brother Brent, you've been doing this 24 years now. You figured out, I figured out, I'm not even sure the questions anymore, much less the answers. 
I do know that the longer I pastor and the longer I serve and the longer I'm married and the older my kids get, the more dependent I am on the Lord. Because what I thought I would be in my 50s is not what I am in my 50s. I thought I'd be mature in my 50s. I thought I would be like normal in my 50s. My, my wife swears that she has seven children. She only has six, but she's like, you, you count twice. I thought that in my 50s, I'd have all the answers. Man, I've got new fear in my 50s. I have fear today that I didn't have 20 years ago. I have new realities today I didn't have 20 years ago. But my kids, when Quinn was little, I thought, man, that's the hardest thing in the world. Uh, I found out having adult children is harder than having young children. It really is. I haven't got the grandkids yet, so I'm not sure why I even kept the regular kids. What's the constant in your life? I'll tell you, it's God's word. It's the Lord. Other than that, Jen just mentioned surgery. Man, wouldn't it be great if none of us ever had surgery again? Whoo, praise the Lord. Somebody's going to have surgery next week. Unexpected surgery. Just life. Wouldn't it be great if I never had to take my daughter back to all children's? You wouldn't. You, you have no idea. Valerie doesn't want me down there. I do so bad down there. Cannot stand to see them stick her. It makes me crazy. So she's like, you don't even come. I'll get her, I'll get her stuck. I'll get her, I'll get all the stuff in her, and then you can come. I can't handle that. But I know this that, that nothing stays the same. And I'm okay with that. Because what do we say often? What's the quote I say often? The storm, the wave that crashes you, you ought to kiss the wave that crashes you to the rock of ages. Your situation changes, your Savior never changes. Your circumstance changes, your Bible never changes. God is never. He is, there is no shadow, there is no turning, there is no variableness in Him. He is immutable God. But everything else changes. Number four, be open to the possibility that some changes are good, positive. So uh, that, that, as I mentioned a moment ago, that $10,000 change, uh, that $10,000 change that we made that cost us $10,000, uh, we changed that because one Sunday morning we walk out of church and there was a sign across the street that said for sale. And, and we're like, man, that, that, that house, that quarter acre lot wasn't for sale when we walked into church. And while we were having church, that guy put that sign up and he was standing there that he just put the sign up. And I said, Paul, go ask him what he's going to sell that for. And so Paul and I think Ryan went over there, and they called me and said, Preacher, he wants to sell this. Uh, Pratt, $150,000. Was that $150,000? He wants to sell a quarter acre in Pinellas Park for $150,000 across the street from our church. I said, we got to have that. I did not even understand how much we needed that because once the building stuff started, we had no place to park our buses and all that. I didn't, I didn't even realize all that was coming the way it did. But, but we said, shake hands, we had the money in the bank, we came before you, we raised that money, and I think 30 days, 40 days, something like that, some people just gave, and we raised that money. It didn't cost us uh, a penny of our, of our Jabez money. We raised that money in the church, bought that land, uh, tore the house down, and uh, we've used that for parking and everything else, and that's long-term plans. And the cool thing was, because we now had a place to put our offices, we could put 
the daycare in the new building. So that's why we took the offices out of the new building and put the daycare there. You say, preacher, why the daycare? Uh, if you don't understand this, let me explain. Uh, offices are overhead. Okay? Offices cost you money. Classrooms make money. Daycare makes money. Pastor costs you money. <laughs> True, right? Pay my salary. So we were able now to increase our daycare from 50 kids to 100-something kids. That means we increase our revenue, we increase our influence in the community, our opportunity to reach people. And so that was a positive change to be able to buy that. And yet you spend a little money, oh, that $10,000, that's a pain. Yeah, but now you're going to make that up. And by the way, the way that this is budgeted out, the daycare alone, if ran correctly, that's why that, that person that we hire is so important for that, if the daycare is run correctly, the daycare alone will meet the monthly note on the whole new project. Some might say amen. Yes, it's the engine that will drive the whole project. So sometimes change is really positive. But I don't like change. You know why you don't like change? Because we're creatures of habit. Uh, we, we would rather be, we'd rather be in the wrong situation because we know it than in a better situation because it's unknown to us. This is a principle in dealing with battered women. Battered women will not leave a bad situation because it's the comfort zone of being battered. That's crazy to me. But they'll not leave that person because at least they know that the devil you're with kind of mentality. Change doctrinally bad. Change methodically. The methods don't change. It's still preaching the gospel one-on-one. That's wrong. Well, we've got to change with the culture. No, you don't. But the methods do change. The God, the, 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 before, before COVID, I had preacher friends, bless God. Anytime anybody preaches with a bless God, you know what's about to come is completely unbiblical, all right? And uh, bless God, I'll never broadcast a service on Facebook. Wow, Facebook's of the devil. COVID happens. Hey, Brother Brent, um, our church would like to get a Facebook account. Can you help us? As this thing drew out, this was the phone call I got. Hey, uh, by the way, same preacher. Bless God, we'll never do online giving. We believe to bring it, tithes and offering to the church. Hey, Brother Brent, um, how do you set up online giving? Because, you know, we haven't met in four months. And our, our offerings are tanking. So I'm just saying, sometimes you got to think if the new, listen, I don't like the new generation. I don't like the fact that they're all, you know, the, the millennials and X's and O's and whatever their numbers are and letters and all that, I don't care. But uh, they're very social media oriented. You say, well, we can fight social media, fight, or you can learn to uh, use it because that's how they're communicating. That's how they're checking us out. And long before they get here, they've checked out our Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter page. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay because we pay people to know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying the, the doctrine doesn't change. The methodology doesn't change. The mission doesn't change. The method changes. Sometimes we, we, we learn new things. Sometimes you learning something new, although it's difficult for you, it might actually be good for you. Yeah, dogs and old dogs, new tricks, that kind of stuff. Number five, we're done with this. Be open to, that not all change is bad. Some change is very positive. Some change is very good. Moving our building has been very good for us, and, and, and all these things hurts and painful in a lot of ways, but overall positive. Uh, here's the last thing I'll give you. Be prepared to go on no matter what changes you have to make. 
Change cripples people. They don't, something happens they weren't ready for, and so they just die right there. Now, they're going to live for another 20 or 30 years, but they're never going to be effective again. Just, that's it. My, the pastor resigned. I'll never, I'll never have another church like that church. Uh, my husband left me. My wife left me. So-and-so passed away, or whatever it is. I don't know. Here's the deal. Change comes. You have to go on when change comes. If, if we stopped the building program because we had changes, we'd never build anything. If we stopped living because of changes, we'll never live. But, 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 but preacher, I've been disappointed. That's a big club. Welcome to it. Oh, but preacher, I've been hurt. That's a bigger club. Welcome to that one. We all have membership in it. But preacher, somebody let me down. Yeah. Somebody lied about me. Good. Welcome to that club. That's another big club. Jesus is the founder of that club. You know. But 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 I was disappointed. Yeah, every day. I want to go on though. But 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 it's not the same. I've heard that so much. It's not the same. <clears throat> Curtis Hudson was my pastor. 1977, Curtis Hudson stood up on a Sunday night, Forces Baptist Church, and said to our church. At that time, we had the third largest bus ranch in America. We were the fastest growing church in the nation. Uh, we were the, one of the largest churches in the state of Georgia. And he stood up and said, the Lord has led me to go into full-time evangelism. And he left, resigned, started going around the country preaching. 77, I was a little boy, fourth grade, third grade. There were people that Sunday night in 1977 it stopped right there. And now, 40-some-odd years later, they're 40 years older, but they've never moved from that spot. They will never find another church like Forest Hills. No, you never will. We'll never have another pastor like Curtis Hudson. No, you never will. No. But those were glory days. Yeah. And when you talk to them, it's funny. When you talk to them, they don't talk about anything that's happened since 1977. They just go back to, man, we used to run and used to do it. And, and they're like, you are stuck in a time capsule. And here's the deal. I hated the fact that Dr. Hudson resigned. And I didn't like the new pastor. That's part of it, right? We left that next year and went to Murfreesboro. And they like to kill my sister. We moved from Atlanta to Murfreesboro. It's like going back in time. She hated it. We moved. Never be the same. I learned through those years that I've got to keep going. Now, I, I struggled. I, you know my testimony. But I've learned since then and through that, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. No matter what happens, you've got to keep going. Change, part and parcel. So I'm over there yesterday, and I'm looking, and, and I, after you said that, I went back, and I'm, I'm standing at the pipe, I'm looking out the window, waving to the neighbors, thinking, we got to fix this. And I went back to Dennis this morning. I said, Dennis, I said, is that a big deal? He said, oh, that ain't a big deal at all. He said, we'll, 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 we'll block that right up. I said, will it change anything? He said, oh, no, it'll be seamless. Nobody will ever know anything. And you wouldn't know it if I didn't just tell you tonight. But we're just going to fix it. We're going to find a way around it. And we're going to go on. Some of you need to realize you got to go on. You got to go on. I don't ever want to be stuck. Oh, community, those glory days. 
as long as I live, shouldn't that be the best day of my life? The next day, not yesterday, the next day. Father, tonight, teach us that change, change orders and positive, negative, neutral, they're, they're just part and parcel of life. Lord, that we, we've got to move on, and, and sometimes it's very difficult, sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it costs us thousands of dollars, or it costs us a lot of pain and suffering. But we've got to move on. We've got to fix it and move on. Lord, tonight I pray that we would realize that there is a great and wonderful architect, the master builder the Bible describes him as, who knows exactly what he's doing in our life, and sometimes he changes our destination, our direction, even our destiny, as it were. Just like he did with Peter, like he did with Paul. How we rejoice that they listened. How we rejoice that they followed the leading. Although they didn't like it, didn't want it, it wasn't what they intended. It was your perfect will. And it worked out according to your will and not their will. Lord Jesus, I pray now you teach us to accept change. Accept change in life because change is part of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, brother John, come, and uh, let's look at our prayer sheet, and then we're going to uh, come together to pray, uh, teach you something real quick about prayer. Uh, Maya, we already mentioned, Vicky's daughter, Melissa, health issues. Vicki, I saw you to my right. Is she, any changes there? No change, all right. Uh, Juliana's recovering. Sam Wynn, I love Brother Sam. Sam sits right over here, kind of near where Peggy and them sit. Sam's been sick again. This is probably week number three or four, Brother Sam. You think about it, give him a call or drop him a note. Keep praying for Brother Sam. I got a call today from, or I got a text today from Miss Cindy. Uh, pray for Brother Paul Hensley. Uh, these are wonderful people. Uh, just uh, really both of them going through some health medical issues. And uh, their long-term plan is they are going to be moving up to near their daughter. But right now, just pray for Paul and Cindy Hensley, some of the most precious Precious people you'll ever be around. Uh, Bo and Kay, Austin, they're still, uh, both of these families are recovering, grieving, uh, the home going of their family member. Uh, Christina, this is Hasina's cousin, major back surgery. And then Chuck, Truett, and Linda, I want you to lift them up. I mentioned Deb Newmeyer. Put Deb Newmeyer on the list, please. Uh, asking the Lord to touch her. There, there's some uh, things they're doing, some medical testing there. Deb is a transplant uh, survivor, and so... Anytime she has anything going on, it's pretty serious. Anybody have any prayer slips, you can get them to me. Any prayer requests to my right, left, middle? Uh, Gary? All right, so Gary's sister-in-law, a big surgery. Uh, my, my sister, Deanna, is recovering from a complete total knee replacement surgery, and at the end of the gigantic baby. Okay, just clicking online right there. I'm just kidding. Uh, but Deanna, my sister-in-law, recovering from knee replacement surgery, and uh, just pray for her. And then Gordon, Christy, uh, your dad's having surgery next week, I believe. They moved it to next week. And uh, what, are, what what is Gordon having? Okay, so let's pray for Gordon. They're going to go in uh, surgery next week. So let's pray for. Wonderful soul, one loves the Lord. Just uh, 
good, good friend, good man, Christian. Yeah. Anybody else to my right over here? Uh, uh, Lori? Um, I like the phrase for the mic, but that's what you said. The VA hospital, the shortness of breath, and they're checking for pneumonia, and he had the vaccine. Uh, pray for Cliff. Pray for Cliff. Uh, Brother Clint? Oh my goodness, Remy and Nolan Crum. Um, if you if you saw them and you were at Monday, I believe Monday, there was a 60 year old man, 61 year old walking. Uh, they were celebrating their anniversary, walking across the street in the crosswalk. Afternoon, it was early afternoon. It wasn't even the evening, was it? Dinner time. Right at dinner time, St. Pete, uh, out celebrating their anniversary, and a gentleman hit them, uh, killed the grandfather there and the grandmother is life or death at this point so uh, these are two of our children and our school's grandparents so brother clinton was over there yesterday and i think nick with him and so we're just asking the lord to allow us to minister to this family uh, and these kids need uh, there's a long story there just pray for roland uh, nolan and remy and the family there and a lot a lot of stuff so that's another, you know, I was talking to a young man today about our, our child care, about our Christian school. Uh, our school and our child care will allow us to minister to people who do not come to our church. And uh, this is just a good example of that, so I want to pray for them. All right, anybody else tomorrow? Don? Brother Dustin. Dustin Smith. Dustin has had a little setback. And, uh, he, he's, he's back out, I believe. Uh, Mike, you got to see Dustin, talk to him. Let's pray for Dustin. Mike, remind me tomorrow. Let me, let's go, let me you go over and see him. Love on him a little bit. Love Brother Dustin to there. All right, let's pray for Dustin. Vicki? Again, for um, our son who was tuned over in Afghanistan, as they are. This is Donnie's, right? Donnie's? No, this is Chuck. Chucky's, Chuck's. Hey, Chuck, this platoon in Afghanistan. Chris? Can you pray for our neighbors, Chuck? Yeah. He's over at the Moffitt Cancer Center. He's going to be there for three weeks. Chuck Melton is his last name. Chuck is fighting cancer. Probably my age, late 40s, early 50s? No, he's 60. 60, okay. Chuck Melton, this is Christy and, and uh, Paul's neighbor. Very serious cancer right now. Anybody as far right? Middle right, right here in the middle? Brother Jim? Unspoken. Unspoken, all of us, I'm sure. Middle right, anybody else? Brent? Oh, thank you, buddy. Anybody else middle right? Yes, ma'am. Peter, they found some spots on his lungs, so let's pray for that. Um, Clint, get, get information, follow up from me on that so I can check on that. Anybody else middle right? Anybody else got any prayer requests? Kelly? Pray for our students Friday night. Oh, the play. The, the play. We didn't mention anything about the play. This is the hiding place. Corey Ten Boom. And uh, if you haven't got tickets, are there any available yet? Yes. Go see Michelle. You're going to enjoy this. This is going to be so good. And uh, the lead actress is amazing. <laughs> she, is, she is amazing. Beautiful young lady. So. All right, anybody else far right? Hey, I want to pray for uh, 
I want to pray for uh, Matt and the job situation. Pray for Matt's job situation. Anybody else middle right? Right. Left. The Pratt. Pray, uh, Robert Murillo. How many of you know that name? Robert Murillo, missionary uh, in Mexico, passed away this morning. And uh, this is uh, Joy, his wife. They're the founders of that. Uh, is it Annabelle? They say it, Bill. Annabelle Children's Home. Joy is a Roland Garlock's daughter. If you know anything about Mexican missions, Spanish for Roland Garlock is the pioneer, uh, one of the pioneer missionaries for. Uh, that work, and that's his daughter, Joy, uh, just buried her brother this year, uh, earlier, and so that's a good family, and I'll pray for the Murillo family. Um, it's good folks. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Let's do this. John, I want you to, to give the mic to Brother Dory, and then uh, after Brother Dory prays, uh, Brother Bill, I want you to come and sit by Brother Dory so you can get the mic, and if you're physically able, you can join us here at the altar. Uh, if you're not able to come and pray, then you can pray right there. But uh, enter his gates, thanksgiving, praise. Uh, we ask, we worship, uh, we supplicate for others. And so let's take a few moments together. Brother Bill, come all the way to the front, please. Brother Bill Martin, come up here. If you're able to come, come to the altar. Brother Dory, you begin, then Brother Bill, you close us, please. Okay, Father, Father, we come here this evening. I ask that you search my heart forgive me what I've sinned against you. Uh, help us to realize that we need a close walk with you day by day as we live this life. We have some really difficult times around us. But Father, we know you're still on the phone. Uh, we're thankful that we come this evening and give our prayer petition to you. Uh, we're thankful that you're here and answer prayer. But we have to remember it's according to your will. Pray for our friend Jane this evening, Father. I pray you did for the grace that she needs, Father, go through the battle that she's going through. I know firsthand. I know firsthand what that's all about, having been down that road with those strokes. So, Father, I pray you just bless her, Father. Be with Bill as he ministers towards the morning. Father, we pray for our little church here. We pray, Father, that uh, you continue to use the uh, construction crew, Father, to move the building along. We're so thankful that we're able to uh, be able to see our new ministry going up. Uh, that we might be a lighthouse in this community for people that don't, do not know the Lord. And maybe out of uh, Maybe just out of uh, whatever it may be, uh, maybe we come to see what's going on here and what's happening. Father, thank you for being my lighthouse in this community. Thank you for the soul that has saved you. Father, I thank you for my pastor who preaches the word without reservation. Father, I pray you watch over his family. Father, 
start will get them restored. Yes. Pray, pray for all also tomorrow the workers will be blessed by the food we give them. Also that we will be able to witness to them a way that will touch hearts and souls by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for knowing that you're listening. Thank you for you love us, Father. I know you do because <laughs> you saved us. Amen. God bless the service. Amen. Amen. And the church says, amen. amen and amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward to the front of the room. We give you an opportunity to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, even on a Wednesday night. So as the Lord leads, as they go by, you can make a motion. You can leave it in the plate or in the back as you leave. There is a black box nailed to the wall if you want to leave your tithes and offerings there as well. So guys, if you can make your way to the front and go ahead and pass. We do have a Mother's Day I'm sorry, a mother, daughter, and friend luncheon, Saturday, May 8th at 11 o'clock. Tickets will be on sale. If you want to see Nikki or Nicole, it's $10 per uh, child, $15 per adult. There, you can also be a table host by providing the decorations, place settings, and desserts for that table. So see Nicole or Nikki for further information, all right? There is going to be a music recital here in the church auditorium on Tuesday, April 27th. That's two weeks from yesterday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon featuring Pastor Mike Austin's band and music students and even our high school and junior high choir. The science fair projects will also be on display. If you would like to come and attend, we would love to see you here with our CCA Spring Music Recital, April 27th at 2 o'clock, all right? Anyone interested in going soul winning at the State Fair? Uh, the State Fair is April 22nd through May 2nd. Please see Pastor Mike Austin. There is a sign-up sheet in the coffee shop as well. And we've said it a bunch tonight, Preacher. Friday, please buy a ticket. Um, I believe I read something that there's even tickets available the night of if you get to play, uh, change your plans, if you already have plans all right that night. So come, let's be part. I think it's going to be fantastic. Preacher. Great. And uh, that's a great story. If you've never read The Hiding Place, you ought to do that and to be a blessing. Now, we want to uh, ask you tomorrow, would you please pray? Because uh, Brother Bill and uh, Brother uh, John and our Hispanic folks are going to be serving our crews another lunch. We've done this once before. And uh, we're about to lose our block crew because they're almost done. We'll still have our concrete and our metal crew. But we're going to serve lunch, and then we're going to see if Bill can give the gospel. So tomorrow, pray for Lupita and Bill and my brother John and Miss Teresa and all of our. If you speak Spanish uh, and you want to come join us for lunch tomorrow, see Brother Bill and Brother John. And uh, it would be a blessing to get to know these guys and encourage them and uh, give tracts out and encourage uh, hopefully opportunities for, for them to come and visit, but uh, that's a good outreach. We, we, we were challenged, I think Brother David actually is the one that challenged us, that every person who comes on this property hears the gospel while they're working, and so this will be our second time with our Spanish guys. So the kids are going to try to get you to buy tickets for the play. I want you to be nice to them and buy tickets if you haven't. Let's all stand together. We'll be dismissed. If you have uh, ready to buy your brother daughter tickets, uh, that's